Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. We're finishing up that chapter today, Matthew chapter 27, and we'll begin in verse 45. And we'll be on the last chapter next week. I think we've only got two more weeks in the book of Matthew, and we'll uh, have finished a year and a half trek into Matthew, or through Matthew. Galatians chapter 3 tells us that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And he quotes, Paul quotes there in Galatians a passage from Deuteronomy that says, Cursed is anyone who is hanged on a tree. It is significant that when Jesus died, he was crucified on a cross. The Old Testament there said, Cursed is the one who hangs on a tree. Jesus became a curse for us. We were once under the wrath of God. We were once dead in our sins. Dead in our trespasses and sins. We were once His enemies. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, He has made us alive with Him. He has removed the curse from us and took it upon Himself. He has adopted us as His children. And all of this was accomplished through what Jesus did upon the cross. And so that is why the cross is so precious to us. We'll go ahead and look at our text beginning in verse 45. And we've seen in the last text we looked at the crucifixion. And here we're going to be looking at Jesus' death and His burial this week. Verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection when they went into the holy city. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to Him, among whom 
were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were were, were there sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal, away, steal him away and tell the people. He has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, give us eyes to hear, eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand and obey. Father, give me strength and grace to preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. It begins now from the sixth hour. There was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. Uh, According to the Roman uh, rendering of time, that would be from about noon until about three o'clock. So at the brightest part of the day, when the sun should have been right overhead, it was dark. Some have suggested that there was an eclipse, and some have suggested there were some kind of atmospheric conditions uh, that really kind of draws attention from the fact that this was supernatural. I mean, yes, maybe there, there was some kind of uh, um, natural explanation for what happened, but Matthew's point here is this was a supernatural occurrence. That, that when Jesus died, there was a sign from heaven. A sign of, of judgment on Jerusalem upon the Jews. It was a sign of judgment even upon Jesus who took our judgment for us. It was dark. There were cataclysmic events that took place when Jesus died. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. This is the probably in Aramaic. Uh, there's some discussion because uh, Matthew and Mark uh, don't, don't uh, render the, the, the words Eli the same in both cases. One has Eloi. Um, not that that matters a whole lot. We get the point. <laughs> Aramaic is what Jesus would have spoken at the time. And he says, 
this that is a quotation from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now some have considered this psalm and know that when, when you look at Psalm 22, there is this despair uh, of, of David's, uh, of feeling abandoned by God. And yet, the, the psalm ends with a message of hope, knowing that God will deliver him. But what we see here in the text is not the whole psalm quoted, but it is expressing to us that we, we, we see here how Jesus felt like He was abandoned by the Father. Divine abandonment. Here, the Son of God who had been with the Father from all of eternity past, had, had always had never had a beginning, who always existed with the Father, who was the second person of the Trinity, and yet He became flesh, and in His humanity, the Father turned His back on the Son, and Jesus felt forsaken. Why would Jesus allow Himself to go through this? But for our sake. We were God's enemies. We deserved that. And so that we could be accepted. So that we could be brought in as sons and daughters. The Father turned His back on the Son. Jesus the innocent one who had never sinned faced the wrath of God. This was the horror of the cross. The mocking, the scourging, the crown of thorns that was beat upon His head, the, the, the agony of hanging there naked on a cross, all of that couldn't compare to Jesus taking upon Himself the wrath of God in our place. Those who were standing around did not understand what Jesus said as He said, Eli, Eli. The words mean, my God, my God, of course. But those who were standing around misheard it. They, they thought maybe Jesus was calling for Elijah to come and save Him. Number one, the text tells us he took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed. And the question is, was he trying to be merciful to give him something to drink or was he mocking him still? I think the indication is probably that he was mocking. This was sour wine. This was not anything he would want to drink. As soon as it got to Jesus' mouth, he would have spit it out. But others said, wait, let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And after that, Jesus cried out again in a loud voice. We're not told what words he said. And he yielded up his spirit. It's very important the way this is put. He yielded up his spirit. He yielded up his spirit. These words are meant to show us that he did not just die because the Romans put him to death. He gave his spirit. He abandoned his spirit. He yielded it up. 
He, he was sovereign over the very moment in which he died. Nothing could touch him unless he allowed it to happen. And he yielded up his spirit. And he died. Jesus did not just faint. He did not just give in to the pressures, but He yielded His his Spirit up to God and He really died. The other Gospels tell us that to make sure He was dead, the soldiers came and pierced His side with a sword and blood and water flowed. We don't see that here in Matthew, but we know they made sure that He was really dead. Verse 51 Now we see the consequence. What happened when Jesus died? It tells us that the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now the curtain of the temple would have been very tall. tall, Taller than, than what most people would be able to reach. Probably no one could reach it. And yet the curtain was torn from top to bottom. Showing that this was not something that human beings could do. It wasn't just that people got around the the temple, the the curtain, and pulled it from the bottom to the top, but it was torn from top to bottom. It was a supernatural occurrence that only God could do. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and it tells us the earth shook, and the rocks split, and the tombs were opened. This was the devastating consequences of the death of Jesus on the cross when the Son of God died. An earthquake happened. There were cataclysmic events we see here. Not only had it been dark from noon to three o'clock, but the earth quaked and the rocks split and even the tombs came open. Upon telling us that the tombs came open, Matthew then tells us about what happens about the time of Jesus' resurrection. He says, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, those who were Old Testament believers, and probably people who were well known, maybe people who were, uh, were written about in Scripture. These Old Testament believers, the, the bodies of the saints came alive. And they were coming out of the tombs after His resurrection. They even went into the city and were seen by many. A couple of things that we see here. One, coming back to the curtain being torn, this was not just a miraculous occurrence, but it signifies something as well. See, in the Old Testament our access to God was limited by a veil, a curtain. And only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies once a year to make this sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. And as the curtain was torn in two, it signifies that now Jesus has made a way so that we all can have access to the Father through Him. No longer through the temple, 
but through Jesus Christ. That is our access to God. He is our mediator between God and man. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through sacrifice. But we can go directly to God in prayer through Jesus Christ. The second thing we see here, when Jesus rose from the dead, it had effect on other people who were dead. This signifies a future hope because one of these days He's coming back again. And we also will be raised, just like it says that the Old Testament saints were raised and walked around even in Jerusalem. And yet when He comes again, we will no longer die again. When He comes again, our, the graves will split open again and we will be raised. Well, what about those who have been cremated? What about those who have been lost at sea? What about those whose bodies have been destroyed? God is big enough. He can speak. If He could speak and light comes into existence, if He could tell the creation what to do and all of the planets and the land and the sea, everything obeyed His voice. When He comes and that trumpet sounds, we will be restored. We don't know exactly what we'll be like, just as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. We don't know exactly what we will be, but we know that we will be changed and this mortal body will be raised incorruptible. No longer to be sick, no longer to be diseased, no longer to have any aches and pains, no more arthritis. And the guards that were there, Roman guards, the centurion, and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place. And they were filled with awe. The Greek text there has the word phobos, you know, you know, for like phobia. They were filled with fear. And they said, truly, this was the Son of God. What did the centurion understand by that? It's possible that the centurion had in his mind the, the, the Roman idea or the pagan idea of, of great men being like the sons of the gods, but it also could be that these men, these soldiers had been stationed in Judea. They had been around the Jewish people. They knew what accusations had been thrown against Jesus. And whenever this response from nature took place at Jesus' death, they said He was who He said He was. He was the Son of God indeed. The text tells us here, there were also many women looking on from a distance who would follow Jesus from Galilee. Mary Magdalene. Mary the mother of James and Joseph. And Mary... And the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Mention here is made that the women were watching. And this is important. Why is this important? Because in the ancient world, you wouldn't mention the women. Well, the fact is that the Bible is actually very pro-woman. A woman's testimony would not be accepted in court. And yet, 
In the next chapter, we see that the first witnesses of the resurrection were these women. They stayed watching Jesus to the very end. I think this is important that we recognize this. It shows the value and dignity of both genders. God doesn't just care about men. He cares about both male and female created in God's image. Verse 62. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, why didn't they just say the, the Sabbath? Well, In Jewish life, uh, there was the Sabbath that came on a weekly basis, but there, there might be confusion because uh, other feast days might also be called Sabbaths. So to be clear about what day this was, that it was the Saturday in between the crucifixion and the resurrection probably is why he says the day after the, prep, uh, the day of preparation. The chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate. They're there again. They're back again. Here they just brought Jesus and they put Him on trial. They asked Pilate to crucify Him and that's not good enough for them. They plead with Pilate, Sir, we remember that imposter. They didn't believe Jesus was really who He said He was. Remember how that imposter said, While He was still alive, after three days I will rise again. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest the disciples go and steal him away and tell the people that he's risen from the dead. They're, they're worried. They're worried. They think they've done what they can to be able to stop this Jesus. And they're afraid that a fraud will take place. They're afraid. They don't believe in Jesus. It's not that they believe that he actually would raise from the dead. They think his disciples are going to come and steal his body to claim that he was who he said he was. And Pilate says, you have a guard of soldiers. He's not telling them you can have soldiers like they're asking for. He's saying you have a guard. There were temple guards, temple police that worked for them. You go send your own soldiers. You have a guard. Go and make it as secure as you can. And that would also explain why whenever Jesus rose from the dead, the soldiers didn't go and report to Pilate. They came and reported to the chief priests. So they went and they made this tomb as secure, secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. We know, which we will look at next week, the stone couldn't keep him in. The stone couldn't keep him in. Death could not keep him down. Jesus was God Himself. And while he, they killed the Son of God there on the cross, death would not keep Him down. But He would raise just as He said on the third day. And what did Jesus accomplish on the cross? As Jesus died, He forgave us of our sins. He died as a substitute so that He took his, our punishment on Himself. 
He opened access to God. We see that in the curtain temple, the temple curtain being torn. He opened access for all of us. And He willingly gave up His Spirit. As we consider this text, it is precious to us. This is the text that tells us of the cross upon which Jesus died to take away our sins, to forgive us, to adopt us into His family. As we go this week, whatever we do, let us meditate on the cross. What Jesus did for us, it makes a difference in our lives. It makes such a difference. We don't have to go to someone else and depend upon them. We have access, direct access to the Father. We can pray to Him at any time. And when we consider what He's done for us, what He willingly did for us, we can be thankful for what He did. Thankful that He took our place. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.